Hey, my name is Lucas, and I want to welcome you to the official podcast of Coastline Young Adults from Coastline Church in Victoria. This podcast is dedicated to encouraging you in your faith and helping you apply it to real life in real time. Here you'll find messages from our weekly service at Coastline Nights and other conversations where we talk and tackle what it means to be a follower of Jesus in today's culture. Everything you find here will point you to the truth and hope of Jesus. So grab a beverage, enjoy the message, and lean into how God wants to speak to you today. two of a series called Heroes. This, this whole series was designed coming out of Easter to kind of look at some ancient biblical heroes that we read about so much, but we don't ever try to understand their story. And if you open your Bible right now, you might land in just like in a psalm or a proverb. You might open in like a parable. Uh, who knows where you might find yourself? If you're just a flip and go point, you might be in the middle of the, of, of the minor prophets. What we, we often read story, we read scripture, and we're like, oh, I've heard that before. Oh, I know that story. But what about the person who wrote it? What about their journey? And I think even for myself, just kind of unpacking even early church fathers and different people who were kind of in and around this time, we almost forget that these were real people. Like real people who just faced real things like us. Exile, comparison, uh, like all sorts of ethical dilemmas, marriage just like being held in the balance, demands from friends, from people, right? The whole like an extra bit of Job, like we always like the first part, like the first part's intense, but the whole after part is just bad advice from friends. Like that's, that's the story. You got God's request, God's, you know, request to do radical things for him. And so it's just like, man, we can really look at these stories and be inspired. You can't read the story of Rahab and not be inspired. You can't read Stephen in Acts like nine and be like, man, what a life. What a way to go. And for me, I think I read Stephen and I think I've been reading ahead in Acts because we're going to go there this summer, but I read that and I think, Lord, how can I have such a faith? Like, show me how to live like this, you know? I just want to, I want to, like, like Josh was saying in that song we sung, it's like, man, I want to live fully devoted. Like, here's all that I have. Like, it's a, it's a bold declaration, and I really want to be a part of it. And so for the next six weeks or so, um, the different preachers are going to come. I'm really excited about that. Steph's coming up to preach. It's going to be good. Lots of different people, lots of men and women, um, both heroes, preachers, defining moments, themes, that are just, I don't know, make them what we would consider a hero of uh, faith. And now I just want you to know two things. There's om- only so much we can really scratch. There's so much in every character, it's hard to get in there. But when me, me and Adam were talking, we were both like, shoddy James, shoddy James. I was like, no, I want, I'm doing James. I'm, no, I'm like, I'm first, on the, I'm, I'm gonna do James. He's like, I already wrote it. So I was like, I don't care, write a new one. <laughs> like, and he was like, no, I have a beard, take that. And I was like, Checkmate. Fair enough. Good point. Like, and so then me and Adam, we just, we just, we just fought like, like hand-on-hand combat for 12 hours. Just went at it. Like, boom, boom. Really happened. True story. And like, what happens when, you know, an immovable object meets a unstoppable force? We both preach on James. That's what we did. So we're both going to preach on James. Um, we decided to double dip because I don't know. Our, our, our sermons are different and, and they do hit different things, but there's just something really unique about him, really unique about him, and I want to unpack it even more, and I think maybe because Adam and I were both feeling similar in the the theme of just like, not just um, trying to read the Bible to read it, but to actually do and to go and to actually activate our faith. Uh, Before we get more into James tonight, when I say hero, I wonder what you think. 
hero. Like, I wonder if we were to do like a, what's like a word exercise or whatever it is. If, like, if you were to take out your phone right now, go ahead if you want. When I say hero, who do you write? Who comes to mind? What comes to mind? Which person may be in your life? Is it a grandparent or a mom or a dad? Maybe. Maybe it's far from that. Maybe it's a friend or a teacher, like, or a pastor or a coach or someone who was, like, near you who really just, like, was there for you. Like, honestly, like, think about it. When, when, you, when I say hero, what, what really hits for you? Who really hits for you? What comes to mind? Um, I know that word carries all sorts of connotations. Here's just some of mine. Um, I instantly thought of my grandma, for sure. Uh, just a, like a humble, quiet woman of faith who just loved Jesus. Like, you know, you know the people who say, like, I was praying for you today, and you're like, ah, no, where are you, though? <laughs> Not my grandma. You know, like, grandmas, there's something about those prayers from grandma, right? I thought of Joshua, who we kind of studied last November, and I just really love him as a biblical character, as a leader. I thought of um, Eugene Peterson, this, this incredible person who wrote the message. That's what we know him from, but what's really powerful about him is he just wanted to lead a great church. I, if I may have this wrong, but I believe he, he's just a guy who was in a small city of, like, 500, and that whole city came to his church, <laughs> just really loved people. He was super loyal. I think of anyone um, who can barbecue really well, like honestly. Like if you can barbecue chicken and keep it juicy, you're my hero. <laughs> I will be at your house for the Sunday bar. I really mean that. Like I, like it's, I remember the first time my father-in-law, I've told this story before, but my father-in-law, he, he doesn't really care to barbecue. He just burns everything, bless his heart. Um, he does, and so I've kind of taken that job on in the family. It's like Lucas is, is on the barbecue tonight, and I'll never forget the first time I cooked him a steak. Like, just, just nailed it. Like, I just, just perfect. Medium rare, just the way he wanted it. And he cut into it, and he ate it, and, and he looked at me and nodded. And in that moment, I knew I was a hero. I was a hero. Because when your father-in-law looks at you and does that, it's game over. Like, you're in. Like, you've, I, doesn't, like, he loves me. I'm like, for sure, his favorite, I'm his only. But, like, like, you know what I mean? Like, he was, I could feel how proud he was of me, and all he had to do was that. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying, right? No, none of you know what I'm saying, but it'll happen one day, and it feels so good. You know? I thought of, like, Batman. Of course, he was my, I was like, who my favorite? My Bo's really into Spider-Man right now, which I'm praying for him. I think he'll come over, but he really loves Spidey. I, I'm okay with it for now. Like, when, you, when I see heroes, there's people that come to mind, family that comes to mind, people who will never meet, people who have passed away, all of these people, doesn't matter who it is, and obviously I'm being funny with the barbecue, but they didn't fight for fame. They didn't, they didn't shout from their tops like, I want to be the next. You know what I mean? Like the greatest hero is never aimed to become one. That's kind of been our theme this whole, this whole this, that'll be our theme this, kind of this whole series. They, the greatest heroes, they're not trying to be Superman or Wonder Woman or whatever it is. They're trying to just live a life faithful to whatever it is they feel called to live towards. And there's just like this humility and this, this aspect of like, that I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm drawn to. It inspires me. They faithfully live and walk in obedience. They don't aim to become a hero. They become one because of the way that they live, the things that they do, for sure. And I think especially for us where the world kind of pushes like, you got to get your name out there. You got to like brand yourself. You got to showcase this. Like you have to fight for this. You got to fight for views or likes and all these pieces. I think it's sometimes a challenge to be like, I don't want to become someone who's always shouting my name, yet maybe for work or whatever you're trying to do, it's like I have to, it's a challenge, right? We don't want to become all about me focused. And I really think the greatest heroes don't aim to become them. Like we don't, like no one's like, I hope one day there's a statue of me in Italy. Like that's not why they did this. 
They were radically changed. They didn't set out for power or for leadership. And in fact, Adam kind of mentioned this about James, but I want, to hear, I want you to hear even more about James' context. So again, this is the, the writer of James, like way in your Bible, the five, like the five chapters that you kind of read way, way later, like in your Hebrews. This is not James, son of Alphaeus, or James, son of Zebedee. Like those are two different disciples that actually walked with Jesus. This isn't that man. This is the half-brother of Jesus. You can read about it in John 7. He literally is like, like, they get mad at him and tell him, like, don't, even, don't come around us. They actually kind of dismiss him. And so we know that this man, who's kind of named as James the Just, or the brother of our Lord, Paul talks about him like that in Acts. This letter that we kind of read to the church here, like the, the James, was written during Acts 8, 9, 10, 11. So real time. It's actually the earliest New Testament document we think we have. Like, earliest of anyone else. He is one of the first people that goes from, like, I don't believe in Christ to actually having an eyewitness account of Jesus at, like after his resurrection. You can read about it in 1 Corinthians 15. He kind of stays then with the disciples. He forms that group um, kind of in Jerusalem at Acts 1 that experienced the Holy Spirit. And then from that time forward, James becomes that early church leader, father, kind of bishop. He's appointed by Peter, John, James to become a bishop in the early church. And again, his letter, this is really important, although thematically it's very much about like, like letting your faith be seen, like faith without works dead, like those sort of pieces. What I love about him, what I find interesting, hear this, he never like left Jerusalem. So he's the bishop there, this is important. He never went on mission to India. He didn't go like Thomas did to India. He didn't head this way to Paul. Like Paul traveled and preached. Paul, Peter traveled and preached. Thomas traveled and preached. They all went and preached and James stayed. He never left. From the moment, like, he became that, like, church leader all the way till he was killed. He was a martyr, actually. There, um, this is historical, so it's not biblical, but it, historically we, we read kind of in the second century that, that James was thrown off of, a, like, a three-story building, and he hit the ground. And that's how they tried to kill him, but he didn't die. In the, sorry, in, in history says that people started stoning James in the middle of this, like, court, like, stoning him as hard as they could, and he didn't die. And legend actually talks about how James was, was shouting out prayers for those who were throwing the rocks. And then finally, there was no more stones to be thrown. And history says that he was still uttering prayers until finally, and I apologize for the grotesque nature, a man came with a club to beat him to death. And even then, history says that as the man came to hit him with the club, he was uttering prayers of, prayers of forgiveness for that man. And now you can actually see James the Just, his statues in Belgium, and he holds a club. Think about this again for a second. I, I don't want to talk to the skeptic in the room, the person who's like, I'm kind of here, but I'm not sure how I feel about this whole thing. He went from his own brother being called the Messiah, half-brother. So he's not a believer, to early church leader, to a spiritual father, to a forgiving martyr. No one does that path unless this resurrection really happened. I think, like, honestly, like, how important, how incredible, how powerful is the resurrection that it would literally change someone so much to be like, that's my half, I've seen all the miracles and I still don't believe. But when he saw the resurrection, James, everything changed for him. And he went from unbeliever to early church father to, like, the bishop to a forgiving martyr to his very last breath, praying prayers of forgiveness of those who killed him. Man, like, it just goes to show you how powerful the resurrection is. And I think for some of you, you're not seeing it yet, but you're going to see it in his letter. You're going to really see it, how he's like, 
you can't just be a hearer of this. You have to understand there's action involved. This is James 1, verses 19. My dear brothers and sisters, he says, this is to the church, take note of this, okay? If you didn't bring your notebook tonight, shame on you. Just kidding, just kidding, it's a joke. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. I know for a fact that that probably would have helped some fights this week with friends and boyfriends and girlfriends and fiancés, right? Like honestly, like if we all just would take that, just quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, how many fights with someone on the phone, whatever it is. It kind of reads like a proverb. If you read it really, like it's kind of like, kind of the same way like Solomon and different people would, would have written the proverbs. Like there was, it's very interesting the way he writes, kind of like the wisdom literature. I read quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. And in my notes, when I was just journaling for this, I was thinking like, okay, humility, humility, humility. In disagreement, humility, Humility, in dis- what? Yeah, but I'm not. I can't get my point in. Humility, quick to listen. Humility, slow to speak. Yeah, but what if someone's really disappointing me? I need to share my feelings. Sure, in time, but quick to listen, slow to speak. Humility. Are you seeing what I'm trying to say here? Man, sometimes we just our first reaction to something is very rarely our best reaction. Anyone else? Anyone? Just me. Good to know. You're perfect. Good to know perfect perfection in the art. I'm always like, Petrina! I mean, yes, go ahead. Like, right, like, I'm quick to react. I'm quick to get defensive. That's not what I said. That's not what I meant. Obviously, I would never say, like, we jump to try and defend ourselves. And James is saying, hold on, my dear brothers and sisters, everyone should learn. And it's hard, I get it, it's difficult. But let's be slow to speak, slow to anger, quick to listen. Because he says human anger doesn't produce the righteousness that God desires. A really interesting word choice. James, you have to understand, was a Nazarite. Okay, I don't know if you've watched The Chosen. Anyone seen The Chosen? It's good. You should watch it. It's better. It's, you should watch it. It's good. It's really good. Some interesting interpretations, but really, I really, really liked it. And there's like an ongoing joke in The Chosen. It's like, Jesus from Nazareth. It's like this ongoing thing. But, but James was a Nazarite too. And James is a very righteous man. Devout man. The Bible says that Peter feared James because of how moral he was. In Acts 21, James actually tells Paul, again, Paul, like, wrote basically that, like, like Paul. And he says, listen, I got these, these four, like, these Jews specifically, there's thousands of Jews in Jerusalem. I need you to come. I want you to take these four Jews. I want you to pay their way to get into Jerusalem, and I want you to take the Nazarite vow with them. The Nazarite vow was this very specific vow where you would kind of consecrate yourself, separate yourself from the world, and, and do everything in your power and your ability to, to really push off the moral filth like he's talking about and just like give everything you have to the Lord. And so in that Nazarite vow, you would pick how long it would be, but you wouldn't cut your hair, you wouldn't perform any sort of fu- funerals, you wouldn't be around any dead bodies, um, food, alcohol, certain things like you couldn't touch and do there. It was very specific, very unique, What's interesting about it, it's like it's a self-proclaimed consecration to God. It wasn't demanded anymore, but you would choose to do it, to, to actually like further depend and further designate yourself, if you will, that I'm not a part of the world, I am closer to God. And James is literally trying to say here, 
yes, I, I don't want you to chase righteousness to earn your salvation. But man, if God has done something so much in your heart, then how much more should we fight to produce the righteousness that, we, that he really desires? And I get it, again, I know the challenge because I'm raising attention in the room right now. How do we live righteously and obediently? Right? You hearing me? But not create kind of this pathway that, that I earn my salvation. I get it. There's like a real tension in both of those. And I think he gives us the answer. He says, slow down. Slow down. Slow down in your words. And then it says, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. So he elevates the word. Like the word, and he's actually talking about Jesus' words. He's talking about the word even used in John 1 where he became flesh, he became the word. So he's talking about Christ. He's talking about the word. He's talking about actually probably the Old Testament. He's really using this general Greek word for the word, which is expressed thoughts through the Father, through the Spirit. And I think it's, again, interesting in our culture, in our time where it's like hustle, hunger, grind out. Second, I think I made the joke. I, I clicked on one time, I clicked on one ad to make some extra income from Amazon, and now that's all I get on Instagram. Anyone else? You want to make 16 figures on, on Instagram by just doing this thing and just loading boxes? Then follow, like, in, okay, fine. Okay, well, take a look. And I, I lost some money. It doesn't matter. Don't send money to it. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't go that far. I gave my in-laws visa. It doesn't matter. I'm just kidding. That's also a joke. Relax. But it's true. Like, it's like, I need more. I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. And it's constantly this culture of I got to, especially in this city because it's expensive to live. And so you're like, I got to fight for this and I got to have this job. And Slow down. And we've kind of been, I do feel like the church has, has had a rhetoric of like, slow down since COVID. <laughs> right? And we've had this kind of like, take your Sabbath and a lot of that. And maybe you've heard some of that language. Maybe you're new and you haven't heard that. So I'll say it like this. It is really important, I believe, it's really important that you do slow down and you actually take the time to listen to God. I'm not saying you shouldn't activate. I'm not saying you shouldn't try. I'm not saying that you shouldn't hustle hard in moments of like, I got an exam tomorrow. Like, go home, study, prep, do what you got to do to finish. Absolutely. I'm not just saying take the night off and kick back and watch Netflix. That's not rest in the Lord. I'm here to, I've said this again, that is not rest. Godly rest is not just like throwing on Netflix and getting your favorite drink from Starbucks. That's not biblical, Christ-centered rest. Rest without Jesus at the center isn't going to fulfill you or give you the rest you need. And I really think I just, I'm, I'm here to tell you again, in your conversations with friends, in your marriage or in your relationship, in your work, in your processing, even of theology and doctrine and those pieces, like in your rest, in your decisions with friends, in your summer plans this year, just slow down. Be quick to listen to someone else, to your friends, to your, your parents even. They have, God, your parents have some good thoughts, I promise. Again, you guys have heard me quote this book by John Mark Comer. It's great. I would encourage everyone to read it. Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. To walk with Jesus is to walk with a slow, unhurried pace. Hurry is the death of prayer. Isn't that interesting? Hurry is the death of prayer and only impedes and spoils our work. It never advances it. Hurry is violence on your soul. Let the word of God take root, friends. It provides the righteousness to rise up and it builds a character that, that makes you want to push that moral filth away. And I just don't even think you can digest this word if you're just rushing through it. Like, 
a lot of conversations I have with you guys and young adults specifically are with, I don't know how to live out my faith in today's modern time. It's hard not to just give in. It's hard not to just follow what everyone else is telling me. And it's true. But friends, that's why he's given us the word. That's what he, he calls it in the armor of God. He says it's the sword of the spirit. Like, like which is what? The word of God. That's the sword of the spirit. And I just think the purity, this is actually a quote, the purity of God's word can preserve us, preserve us, this word, even in and as we engage in an impure age. That's Charles Spurgeon. And he, again, you can see this in James. He was devout. He was a Nazarite. He would have taken a Nazarite vow. He was constantly holding Paul and Peter and different people to high standards. He held the high view of the word and the words of God that he truly believed it mattered. In Acts 15, there's this, there this big disagreement about circumcision. And so, so, you know, Peter and Barnabas and Paul, they all kind of step up and share. And then finally, they go to James. Because he's kind of in charge at this moment. And he shares a few words. He, he definitely encourages them and agrees with what's being said. And then he quotes Amos. His final thoughts are, what is the Old Testament? Let's go back. What is it saying? And so again, I, I tell you how much he, 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 he's devoted to the word because you even see it in the next few, few verses. Verse 22, it says this, do not merely listen to the word. If you have your own Bible, I would really encourage you to highlight this or underline it. And so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. I have no fancy Greek for you to unpack those four words. That was a joke, okay? Listen, <laughs> do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but say it with me now, do what it says. I, I would get Boda like repeat, what did I just say? Like, you, you hear what I'm trying to say? It's very clear, it's very plain, it's very honest. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So some things unpack here. It was common at this time to have like a rabbi, to have a teacher, to have someone you, you sat under and listened to their words as they taught. You, they would study and you would study under and adhere to what they were saying. And if you followed a teacher like this, right, and tried to live by what they said, you were called a disciple. And as I was like prepping for this and, and thinking about James, I, I honestly even felt as I was reading commentaries about just how, man, how much reverence there was for James in the early New Testament, in the early church, I had to ask myself, like, are there times where I kind of slip out of being a disciple, a learner, someone who sits under Jesus, who's like, I want to gain more, and I kind of just become a follower of the crowd? And I'm not trying to diminish you if you felt like that as well, because I know I've felt that too. I'd rather be a follower of the crowd than way out of nowhere. I'm, but hear what I'm trying to say. Am I a disciple or a follower just of the crowd? Am I really like, pouring myself out and just trying to unpack and, and doing everything I can to make sure it's Jesus who I follow. Like I said, this kind of reads similar to like Proverbs or even the Sermon on the Mount. Like, like those, that, that person who builds their house on the sand, right, it's gonna fall, but not a rock. And I think there's something he's trying to say here. Like you read the word, but don't just read it and listen to it. Like do it. Don't be someone who's, who sits and knows and then forgets. And I think, I believe he's so aware of this and he hits it so hard because that was him. Can you imagine like being the half-brother of Jesus and then totally not believing in it? 
Like, I think for him, he's like, how can you read this and not do this? How can you see what's, don't waste your time. Like, don't look in the mirror and forget. How can you forget? He rose. He lives. That's what happened. That really happened. He really loves you. He's really died for you. That, yes, there, is, there was sin in the world, but he paid the price. So what are we even talking about here, church? That's what he's getting at. Don't just sit and consume, but do. Do. Mirrors back then were a little bit different. There was like lots of different spots and reflections. So you, so you had to really, like you weren't looking at a mirror unless you were looking to really scrutinize. And that's really what he's getting at. Like you don't sit for a long time and scrutinize. And Like we look at a mirror and we do this. We're like, and then we, right? That's what we do. You're liars. You all do that. You tilt your head as if that changes the outfit. Right, why do we do this? And then other side, and then we, we go. But like a mirror then, it was like you were to look really close, like you were looking for gray hairs or any hair at all. Like that's, that's how close you were getting to the mirror. You understand? Like you were right there scrutinizing every little bit. And, and, and he's saying like, you, you, you get in, you look, you scrutinize, you listen, you read, you, you're here, you have a rabbi, and yet you don't believe? You don't do? I, um... I was recently, I had a conversation with someone who was like, been kind of coming to church a little bit, but wasn't really sure what they thought. And so they asked for our coffee and we went out for coffee and we were talking and we had some good conversation. But by the end of it came to this moment where I was asked, are you, so let me ask you, are you one of like those Christians? I was like, maybe, what are you talking about? You know, uh, are you like, you know, one of those, like who really like one of those, like really loves you, like, and wouldn't get an answer. I was like, I don't know what this means. Like, what are, you, what are you saying? Like, well, is Coastline one of those churches? Again, I was being silly. I was like, I don't, what, what do you mean? Like, I want you to say whatever you're thinking. And I wasn't, I, I don't know if it was like about sexual ethic, biblical, holding a biblical sexual ethic. I don't know if it was about like, do you really need to like believe everything the Bible says? Do you really believe it's infallible word of God? Do you really believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Like, what? What are you saying? He's like, you know, just all of it. Like, you really, it's like really that big. It has to be everything, the most important thing. I was like, listen, let me ask you a question. Like, what do you do? And he's a teacher. And I was like, oh, you're not one of those teachers, are you? You don't want to, like, you, like, actually take the time and grade every paper. You just give half of them Bs, right? B minuses. You're not, like, you don't care about every kid. Like, some kids are, like, come on, come on. You're not one of those firefighter and police officers, are you? You like actually like follow the whole law, right? Come on. You're not one of those students who like studies really hard and works for every grade. Like there's a little bit of passing this and this and, right? You're not one of those boyfriends, right? That you like only devoted to commit, like you're really committed. Like you're only in that. You're not one of those husbands or wives who like never kind of does their own thing, right? You know, you gotta, you gotta treat yourself, right? Like, there's, there's other people. You're not one of them. You see how silly it sounds? And I'll go all day. Like, you know, it sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? Man, whatever you do, be committed in it, right? And so I had to sit there and be like, if you have specific questions for me, I will answer them specifically. But if you're telling me, are you one of those Christians? If you're saying, do I really believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sin, my mistakes, atoned for what I have done, that I was a sinner, but I am thankfully that while I was still a sinner, Christ still died for me, that he still loves me, and he actually died, and he actually went into the tomb, 
but he actually rose again, defeating death, claiming victory for you and for me. And yes, now I adhere to what he says, and I do my very best, although I definitely don't get it perfectly, I do my very best to listen to him, to follow the Holy Spirit, to adhere to the word of God, because I believe, like James writes, following the, the law doesn't create regulations. It's the perfect law that gives freedom, in verse 25. And I think it actually gives life and life to the full in John 10, 10. Yes, if you're talking about one of those Christians, absolutely. And I think we have to honestly, you guys, be like a little more convinced and, and not ashamed of our faith. And what we're saying is, yes, I'm all in. Yes, I pour all out. Yes, I'm not just a hearer, I'm a doer. If that's what you're asking, sign me up. Otherwise, we're, we are non-committal. And we're not really invested I don't know if we're really living the way the gospel is because I believe that being a devout follower of Jesus, like James is writing, is the only type of follower worth being. Friends, if you're half in it and you're wondering why it feels kind of, because you're half in it, don't jump on the bandwagon. Like, try this out. Ask Jesus hard questions. Receive prayer. Start serving. Do something and radically begin to let your faith take shape. I was just, I got to preach at a conference last weekend. It was with youth. And, and man, I, I was trying so hard to like really have first time people who never met Jesus before like respond. And it was like 15, 20, 30 hands popping up. And I was even like, are you sure? Like this is your first time? You promise? Which is weird for a preacher to do. But I didn't want it to be this fake thing. I wanted it to be real and authentic and genuinely the first time. And, and so many people were hands were up and they're coming to the front. And at the end of the night, this one girl specifically, she like non-Christian home, came to the Lord, received Jesus, and just felt like, okay, now what? I want, I want to keep going. I don't want to just listen tonight. I want to do. What's my next step? And that night she got baptized. Like, this is what happens. And not like, wasn't this perfect thing? It was like a tin can of water in the back, like one flood lamp and just glow sticks everywhere. Like that's, but she was just ready. I think we even have, do we have the video, Darren? I sent it to him last. But like, there's just this beautiful moment of this girl who just gives her heart to Jesus. This is it. Like in the back, like just no one else there, like just kids with glow sticks and she's just ready to go. Friends, this is happening in, in, in like people younger than you and yet we're so worried about this thing and that thing. And I'm just trying to share with you. Let's be slow to listen to what God wants to say to us. But when we know, let's go. Let's not just be hearers. Let's not just look in the mirror and not and forget. Let's actually go and do and activate our faith and be obedient as simple as that. We have baptisms coming up in a month. If you've never been baptized, sign up. Don't just be a hearer. Be a doer. Commit. Show that public declaration of your faith. James is calling us to that because he knows what it's like to sit on the sidelines. I think he really does. Final thoughts for us tonight. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. And Adam hit this Verse 27 the end, so I'm not going to hit this too much, but I want to talk about the idea of tongues. It says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And there is that theme again, that moral filth, getting rid of it and fighting for righteousness. And I think what I read here, and I'm not trying to push religion down. I think religion often gets a bad rap. But this word is not a positive word. It's thrice kaya, and it's this worship in expressed in ritual acts only. So it's just the doing, but he's, he's really saying if you're gonna do something with your faith, then do it like this. Look after orphans and widows in their distress and keep a tight rein on your tongue. 
is those who don't deceive themselves. He puts such an emphasis on words. And I think ultimately, you guys, what he's saying, Kosainites, hear, hear me. This is ultimately what he's saying. You can see yourself as religious and yet not be righteous. And that scares me more than any other things. He puts this emphasis again on words. He's saying, be careful to not see yourself as religious and then miss the whole piece of righteousness. That's what God desires. Final thought, this final verse, because again, he's putting emphasis on words. Your words say one thing, but your actions show another. Like, what are we doing? James 3, with the tongue, this is James 3, verse 9. Please hear this for a second. And I know we've been long tonight, but, but I think this, this ends, really, ends really well here. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Just hear that for a second. We praise him with our tongue, and then we curse others with our tongue. Can I read this to you guys? Like, can you just, sometimes I do this. Would you just close your eyes for a second and let me read this to you for a second? With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. And sometimes with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. You can open your eyes. Verse 10 just really hit me this week. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, I can just see him writing this to the church like, friends, brothers, sisters. This should not be. How can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? How can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Like, Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. He's saying if the inner heart has changed, the outer confession has to follow. If a tree has bad fruit, it has a root problem, not a fruit problem. It's something else that's deeper there. And he's trying to point that out to us. And I think it's so interesting because you have Peter, right? Early church leader again, like who, who denies Christ three times but also confesses he's the Messiah. It's a challenge. I, I know it is. I get it. The tongue is so tricky. It's like a big, our body's like the big ship and it's like this tiny rudder that's pointing it. And I just want to encourage you. I really do. Because listen, you don't have to have it all figured out. That's all I'm trying to say. Being a devout follower of Jesus, that whole piece, like there's seasons of doubt. There's seasons that's hard. There's seasons where following Jesus is challenging, where you're not seeing what you'd hope to see. I get it. There's seasons where you're saying things and doing things that they kind of don't line up. And like, why is that? And so I just want to honestly encourage you this, this week with a blessing. Lord, I just pray even like, let this week be filled with words that uplift your soul. I pray that you honestly have encouraging words for yourself this week. Some of the, the harshest damage done this week is what you'll say to yourself. Man, do not let the lies of the enemy take hold of what you think about how God actually thinks of you. Like, like prize, possession, valuable. If you weren't valuable, he would not have died on the cross for you. I say it all the time. He loves you. He's for you. That's the whole point of the resurrection. Like the cross in this moment, let this week be filled with words that uplift your soul. Words that speak life into your home, into your apartment, into your place, and into the workplace, and into your schools. Let there be spiritual utterances and heavenly language even that bless every single space and person you meet. My, my encouragement to you is let's not do one thing and, or say another or, or read one thing and do another. Let us be people of integrity, 
man, let us look after the orphans and widows. Let's, let's keep oneself from being polluted from the world like Adam preached last week. Friends, there's a real need in front of you. There might be someone who is literally sitting around you that has never met, any, pardon me, never met anyone that is like one bad test away from feeling completely shattered. I don't use this term often, but I, last week I, re, I preached this message in the morning. I really was just like, hoping that anyone who was a widow, like specifically a widow, I, I just used that term and, and, and one came at the end and we just sat and she cried and we prayed. Do you know someone who's actually having a really hard go right now? Like just challenging thing after thing? Call them, pray for them, ask if they need anything. Don't just hope and send positive thoughts. That ain't a thing. Like do something. Do something, please. Yes, there is a theme here of like, of work and of doing, absolutely in the book of James. I, I agree with that. Life, live a life that's outward, but not just outward in a way of like, I'm, I'm showing and doing for the Lord. Live a life of obedience. What is God calling you to do? To make this more personal if I can. Like, don't just fight for justice and fight for righteousness. Ask yourself, slow down and listen to Jesus. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Because James is not saying run from the world. He's calling us to greater devotion to him, to Christ, and to the world. And saying, let's be committed to, to Jesus, to the word, to what he's asked us to do. Let there be a readiness to live obediently. Because my last thought for you is this, that faith heroes, they didn't fight for status. They, they really just lived a life of obedience. That's it. And obedience is personal. At the end of the day, you guys, he's not just going to ask you if you did good stuff. Did you do good stuff? Did you do good stuff? Yeah, Bren? Do we do some good stuff out there? Good job, team. Tough loss, but we, 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 no, no, no. Did you do what Jesus asked you to do? Did he ask you to go and, and, and live in Peru and, and, and teach something? Like that's, he's been calling you to get out of your seat to go do something. Listen and do. Did you go and find that person, the least of these, and love them and encourage them? Is there someone in your life that God has been nudging you to call, to help, to support? Maybe even you just know someone close to you that really could use a couple hundred bucks just to make this week's car payment or next month's car payment. And you know what? You're flush. You're doing good right now. That's a beautiful thing. Then let God use what you have to bless someone else. Maybe there's just something right now that you know he has been nudging you on and nudging you on and it's to lead a small group. Man, it's to do something. Can I speak freely? Like this, we've really grown as a community at night. I know lots of students just went home, but we saw numbers this year that we had not seen in the first year, like consistently, consistently, consistently. And I was so encouraged by that because so much of that is you just inviting friends, people who are like, yeah, like girl invited me or guy invited me. Awesome. I love that. That's, that's great. But the next wave of explosion of growth here at Coastline in any church, by the way, any young adult community around our city, and I want every one of them to grow, it only happens if we all get involved and we all stay obedient and we all serve and we all help out. There can't just be consumers at church anymore. There's no growth there in your own faith and in the church. And I just really believe that. Our next step is you saying, yeah, I will lead a group in September. I'm committed. I will jump in the media booth or, or lights or... I'll be like Justin and I'll serve. I'll go every week if you want me. I'll, I will smile even when I'm not happy. I'll throw dodgeballs on Monday, but I'll smile on Sunday. You know, like, I, I'll, I'll jump in. Because if we don't, like, what are we doing? What are we doing? We're just sitting on the sidelines and I just, I want you to get in the game. Sorry, that sounded like high school musical. I just, I just realized that as I said it. 
instant regret. But you, you hear what I'm saying tonight. Just come and sit and go. Come and sit and go. Go home and pray to the Lord before you have dinner. And you're thinking, I'm not trying to be mean. Because those aren't bad things and seasons are hard. And I pray for you right now, like if, if you've been in a hard season that's hard to feel committed. I'm sorry. Faith is a challenge. But in those hard seasons, I just pray that you wouldn't fade, fade to, to, to back, but you would actually lean in more. You'd press in a little bit more. He'd really ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you in the really challenging moments. I get it, you guys. There's hard seasons in life. Like, totally get it. But those are the seasons we lean in. Those are the seasons we seek the Spirit more. Those are the seasons that we say, I'm not just going to be a hearer and a forgetter, but a listener and a doer. Because I want to live obediently to what God is calling me to do. I don't just want you to go and do stuff this week. Please don't hear me saying that. I want you to ask Jesus what obedience looks like in your life. Let me pray over you. Heavenly Father, tonight, as we've gone long, but we've enjoyed moments of worshiping you, God, and reading your word, I pray every person in this room, every person in this room, would just ask, Lord, what do you want me to do? I pray that we would be committed when you give us, like, Lord, we'll go, we'll do, we're ready, use us. Just speak to me. God, I, pr I pray for the person who really has been just like a spectator in this whole thing, who knows there is a God who loves them, who sees them, who is challenging them and even speaking to them, to the person who comes and is scared to be really committed because what would that look like for maybe this friendship or that family member? Lord, you work all those things out. And so I pray right now there would be nothing on the table, no other peer pressure, no other thoughts of inability or insecurity, but Holy Spirit, for the person who has been standing on the side, who's been a spectator, who's been, felt like they've just been like on the bench the whole time, I pray in Jesus' name right now that they would just come running back to you, ready to give you all that they have. That they would make a commitment tonight to listen to what you're saying and to being obedient. That they would fight to listen to your word, your words every day. They would fight to get into their Bible. They would fight to live righteously, not out of a place of, of obligation, but out of a place of obedience and love for you and, and, and thankfulness for your grace. God, I pray for the person in here who has just been in a hard season. And so feel, it feels challenging to live obediently and go and do because they haven't felt you, Lord. I pray they would press in right now to you, Jesus. Listen, if that's you in here, it's time to just commit. It's time to just give him your all. It's time to even say with your own words, Lord, I'm all in. Use me. God, I want to do whatever it is you're asking of me. Jesus, I don't want to do this, this thing halfway. I want to go all in. I'm all, I'm totally ready, so use me, Lord. Everything I have, I offer to you. If that's you, like, just commit. When you stand and worship in a moment, really press in. Ask the Spirit to go. If that's you, even just throw a hand up. And let me just pray with you. If you have felt half in this whole Christian thing and you want to really commit, I'm all in. This is it. I'm, I'm, I'm investing. I'm done sitting on the sides. I'm pressing in tonight. Just stick your hand really quick and I just want to pray with you. I see hands. You can even put it down after. You don't have to make it this, this big long thing. I see you. Come on. Come on. We want to be all in. Lord, I pray that we would not be listeners but doers. Not just hearers but doers. Lord, I pray that we would say, I'm going to fight every day 
to try and just listen to you, Holy Spirit, and then activate my faith and be obedient in it, Jesus. Lord, I pray that this would just be the start. Lord, we sing all the time that this would just be like an ember to the great fire that we know, we know that you're producing through us. So Jesus, use us, young and old, whatever, wherever, whatever background we have, every hand raised, we would fully commit, fully invest, and fully say, Jesus, I am yours. Use me. However, I want to really be, really be someone who says, I follow Jesus with all my heart. I'll be one of those Christians. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, Amen. come on, you guys. Everybody said, Amen. would you stand to your feet? Come on, we, Calista asked it of us. Josh asked it of us. Now I want to ask you too. I know it's late. Would you press in on this song for me? Don't make this the goodbye song. Make this the moment where you respond to what God is saying to you. This is not a goodbye song, okay? Come on, eyes closed, hands raised even. Come on, press in. If you lifted your hand, this is your time to press in, to lift your hand and say, Jesus, I'm in. I'm invested. I offer you everything. Come on. Come on, Coastline Knights. Press in a little bit. Come on, begin to sing. Begin to worship. Jesus, speak to every person here. As we worship, as we press in, there is more words of affirmation coming down from heaven. There is a declaration of identity happening from heaven, and we receive it and we take it. Come on. Come on.